0: Thank you very much. Would you like to turn uh, with me to the book of James, chapter 3? You can find it in your Bibles on page uh, 1148. And uh, we're going to read the first 12 verses of James, chapter 3. In my Bible, at least, it's uh, entitled, Taming the Tongue. We can turn the whole animal, or take ships as an example. Although they're so large and driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed, and have been tamed by by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brother and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring bear produce fresh water let's pray Father God I pray that you would help us now understand what you have to say to us through your word Lord through the power of your Holy Spirit would you reveal to us just something of your holiness and your desire to see us be holy like you In Jesus' name, amen. So we're looking at the power of words. Why are we looking at this particular subject? Well, last Sunday, those of you who were here, you'll remember we were looking at the lost parables and we saw that there were three reasons fundamentally why you might be lost. First of all, you might be unaware that you were lost. Secondly, you might have drifted away. Or thirdly, you might have made a conscious decision to turn away from where you were With God. But in all those three, there was a consistent message. And that was that in order to come back to God, you needed to repent. Repentance was the key to being found again. And then, for those of you that were here last Sunday evening, we were looking at the whole thing of. No compromise. And how in repentance, God calls us to be holy, to be set apart. Repentance is not just about saying, I'm sorry. It's about completely turning away from those things that were keeping you from God. And the letter of James is the letter to the church that right throughout the book is saying, this is how the church should live. This is how they should respond to that instruction to repent. And right throughout that book, there's the underpinning message that faith without works is dead. It is not enough to just believe in God, believe in Jesus, and declare that He is Lord. Because, as we've seen in encounters that Jesus had with demons, they knew who he was, they believed in him, and they bowed down and declared that he is Lord. That's not enough. We have to be transformed in our lives. Our life has to be consistent. James is kind of saying, don't just go to church, be the church. Don't just go to church, be the church. Be the church in your whole life. And in chapter 3, James goes on to talking about how we can go about seeking to transform our lives to be the church, be the kind of people that live lives of faith. Live lives that are honouring to Jesus. And it's a stern warning. Now, I don't know if there was anything particular going on in the church that uh, James that was causing James to write this. I suspect there were one or two things that we shall um, kind of tease out. But he wanted to be very clear to the people who he was writing to, you cannot, with the same mouth, worship God and do things that are dishonoring to God. You have to be consistent. So let's unpack a little bit about what James is saying. We can, Tom, if we can go on to the PowerPoint, please. You got it? Great. Thank you. Now what I want us to do is have a look, um, first off, at a couple of examples in Jesus' life as to why the power of words is so immense, and why James is warning about using our tongues, using our words wisely. So first of all, if we look at John chapter 1, what does it say? It says, in the beginning was the Word. Now, who was the Word? Jesus, yeah? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. That can only mean Jesus. So when we're looking at the power of words, Jesus himself describes himself as the Word. So, must be powerful. Jesus just had to speak to calm a storm. He just had to speak to heal the sick. He just had to speak a name to raise the dead. Saying, Lazarus, come out. And It's been said before, I think, that uh, it's just as well Jesus used his words carefully because he said those in a graveyard. And if he just said, come out, maybe everybody (laughs) would have come out. Jesus' words are powerful. But Jesus also... Says that words can be blessings or curses. I don't know if you've ever picked out this particular story in the Bible where Jesus is walking along and he sees a fig tree that is not bearing figs and he's hungry and he wanted something to eat. And Jesus cursed the tree. And a few days after, when they went back, the disciples saw that the tree had withered and died. Words can be used to bring blessings or to bring curses. Jesus used his words guardedly. There were times when he didn't say a word. When he was standing before his accusers, before he, just before he was taken out to be crucified... There were times when Jesus chose to stay silent. What does that say? And then I just want to uh, introduce a little bit of a, a John Hall thought. Take this and weigh this if you want. Right at the start of the Bible, how did God bring about creation? He spoke. He spoke words. And God said, let there be light. And there was. Creation responded to the words, the powerful words, that uh, God spoke. Now, those who study these things in detail have worked out that matter, the things we're made of, are not, as we once thought, just protons, neutrons, and electrons. They now believe that all of matter is made up of what? Strings. Strings that vibrate like guitar strings or violin strings. I'll just use that as an analogy. It's as if the whole universe is resonating with some kind of sound. Listen to this. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. This is creation this psalm is talking about. It's talking about creation having a voice, having a word, having speech. It's almost like that what God spoke into creation when he said, let there be light, is resonating throughout creation. I find it so exciting when you see the Bible just come to life when you dig in and start to understand actually how real it is. Something that was written thousands of years ago is shown. To be consistent with what we can observe in creation. How wonderful that is. And I wonder if that kind of this nature of creation is the reason why the spoken word is so powerful. Because very creation resounds with the sound of God. So what is James saying? in this passage is it a message for you is it I think it is it's certainly a message for me because verse 2 says if anyone is never at fault in what he says he's a perfect man well I'm not perfect I'm never at fault in what I say so this has to be for me and I would Suggest that it has to be for you we all need to listen to this I wonder if um, if all the thoughts in our minds just blurted out without us being able to filter them what would it be like if somebody came to the door and instead of saying oh I'm really pleased to see you he came out and said oh I wish you hadn't come can't stand you Or if uh, if somebody's done something to you given you a present and you say do you know what I hate that <laughs> never liked those kind of things wish you hadn't wasted your money on that instead of saying oh what a lovely present can you see the difference between the words of, of life and the words of death we need to be careful about what we say and James says that if we can get control of our tongues then it's the start of getting control of the rest of our bodies Let's have a look I think there's three key messages that I want us to take away with from James First of all it's about words our tongue being a force for good and for evil As I say, this small, small muscle in our mouths can be a massive influencer. It can start wars. It can bring peace. It can bring depression. Or it can spur people on to uh, bring themselves out of that place of depression. We seem to live in a very angry world, don't we? a world where people have short fuses short tempers who are only too quick to fire off comments that are destructive with abusive language with negative outlooks you know if you keep on saying to people you're worthless you'll never amount to much you're hopeless what do you think's going to happen <laughs> they'll end up like that words Are powerful. We need to speak good into people's lives. We need to bless. You know, in the Old Testament, blessings were a thing that were looked upon and and sought after just uh, so much. You know, even um, Jacob imitated his brother in order to get his father's blessing. He dressed himself up with kind of animal skins and he, he, he cooked his father's favorite meal and because his father was nearly blind, he was able to fool his father into giving him a blessing. So important, was it? Do we bless people? Do we speak positive things? And what about the power of words in our prayers? Jesus said... Actually, straight after the incident where he'd cursed the fig tree, he said, if you have faith, you can say to this mountain, (laughs) move into the sea and it will. The power of the words of prayer are immense. If we can tap into that power that allowed Jesus to raise the dead, heal the sick, and to calm the storm, what do we think about the power of our prayers? Do we really kind of believe that, say something, and God will honor that if it's according to his will, of course? Words are a force for good and evil. Second point, quickly. James talks about the importance of the truth. Now, interestingly, he, he starts the, uh, the passage by saying, not many of you should presume to be teachers. He uses some interesting words there. And on first glance, it said, do you know what, the the, the place of a teacher is an important uh, place because you're going to be judged more severely for what you say. But James actually says not many of you should presume to be teachers. Now, I think that in the church that James is writing to, there were those in that church who were presuming to put their thoughts, their ideas, into the church. They were presuming to take the place of teachers. Not officially, presuming. And James says that those in a position of teaching will be judged, so it's important that when you take a stance, you speak the truth. And that is why, as a church, as we are on our search for a new pastor we must, must, must look for somebody who holds on to the truth of the word of God. Who speaks only the word of God because nothing else can be trusted. A teacher has to be able to stand in front of Jesus on that day of judgment and say, do you know what, even though I didn't do it all right, at least I spoke from your word. Then you can't be criticized. (laughs) But move away from that. Go after your own thoughts, your own desires. That's when it gets dangerous. And that's why James says, guard your tongue. That's a lesson for each of us as we are maybe in church meetings, maybe in house groups, trying to make decisions about where the church should go, trying to make opinions about understanding of the Bible. We need to guard our tongues. We need to seek God's Holy Spirit's inspiration about what he's saying through words don't presume to be a teacher don't presume that your ideas are right guard your tongue in what you say make sure it's the truth and then the third one key message the need to be consistent james says in verse 12 that you know you can't get salt water from a fresh spring or the other way around what we say has to be consistent with what we believe what we say to people has to be consistent with what we believe would you say one thing to somebody's face and then behind their back to others say the opposite would you say things behind people's back that you wouldn't say to their face It's a good rule of thumb if you can't uh, be consistent in that. The Bible says we need to think before we speak. Jesus said, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, his mouth speaks. So what comes out of our mouths, what words we use is a direct reflection of what's in our hearts. That's why James says, God, your words. And Jesus again says, by their fruit you shall know them. You a good apple or a rotten apple in what you say? So how on earth Do we tame this tongue that James says is impossible for humans to tame, even though we're able to tame animals and all kinds of creatures? What are some guidelines to help us? So first off, a well-known saying, make sure your brain's engaged before putting your mouth in gear. But think. And maybe this will help. Think of the word think. Think of the letters in the word think. Are your words true? Because if they're not, don't say them. Are your words helpful? Because if they're not, you're going to be unhelpful. Don't do it. Are your words inspiring? We need to be inspiring. Are your words necessary? Do you know, honesty doesn't have to be always saying exactly what you think. If you think somebody doesn't look particularly good in the clothes that they're wearing, you don't have to say it. Sometimes remaining quiet is the wisest course of action. And then, are your words kind? If you can't think of something nice to say don't say anything at all. So think. bit of help there. Are your words true? Are they helpful? Are they inspiring? Are they necessary? Are they kind? And I'd like us to say this together because this must be our prayer, surely. Let's say together. Psalm 141 verse 3. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. <clears throat> that should be everyone's prayer in response to what James is saying about the power of words. Words can be used for good or for evil. Words can bring life or death. The mark of a true repentant Christian one that is being church, not just going to church, is one that puts this into practice, that speaks blessings, that speaks life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the word. You're the word of life. Thank you for the examples that you've given us. You were perfect. Your words were true and just and helpful and inspiring and yet also rebuking when they needed to be. Lord, I pray that you would help us grow to be more like you. I pray that you would guard our mouths. You would watch over the door of our lips. That what comes out of them would bring blessing, and bring life, not just to those in this church, but to the community around us. Lord, help us to be springs of life. In Jesus' name, amen.